Welcome to the Full Dig Podcast. Today we finish our series on the Ten Commandments. The Tenth Commandment, Thou Shall Not Covet, is a commandment that deals with a person's inner heart and attitude. Paul tells Timothy that godliness with contentment is a great gain. Jesus tells us that out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Join pastors Kirk Sexton and Bruce Johnson as they discuss this, including Paul's own testimony of grappling with his own sin by means of the law. Also, we have a special presentation by the Mountain View Choir at the end of the podcast. Welcome to the Full Dig Podcast. I'm Pastor Kirk Sexton, and I'm with my good friend and colleague, Pastor Bruce Johnson. Kirk, it's good to see you today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. And you're you're looking especially dapper today. Well, I am wearing a t-shirt that Kirk has given me that says, ask me about my podcast. So thank you for that, Kirk. Well, I thought it was appropriate because we were talking about t-shirts last week, and I thought, Bruce needs a t-shirt. <laughs> And this is the last of our Ten Commandments series. That's right. We have uh, about gone from one to ten. In fact, later on in this podcast, we will have the Mountain View Choir singing a Ten Commandments song where they go, will go from one to ten in the Ten Commandments. Bruce, you've come a long way. That was a great tease for the Ten Commandments song. It's going to be fabulous. We'll play that at the end of the podcast. Okay, we'll look forward to that. So what did you think about Pastor Steve's sermon this week? Uh, surprises in it for you? Well, the biggest surprise was that he didn't read the Exodus text and he didn't read the Deuteronomy text. He read Philippians. All right. Uh, talking about Paul being content, mm. uh, how he has learned to be content, uh, which is a great text, and we'll get into that. Uh, but I've always thought about uh, another text when I think about the Apostle Paul and the Tenth Commandment, uh, and that comes from Romans chapter 7, and we'll get into that as well, mm -hmm. about uh, where Paul first was not content, and he was coveting all over the place. Mm -hmm. So those two texts show some growth, some spiritual growth in Paul's life, and uh, I, I think it's very interesting and really encourages me. If there's hope for St. Paul to grow spiritually, there's hope for you and me too, Kirk. Right. And uh, each week we've been looking at both the Exodus text and the Deuteronomy, the retelling of the Ten Commandments, and we've been finding some interesting differences. This week is no different. Uh, that's right. And if you remember from our first podcast, we talked about different faith traditions having the Ten Commandments divided differently. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little kid, I learned the Lutheran version, even though I wasn't going to a Lutheran uh, church, but the Lutheran version has the, the commandment about coveting divided into two different commandments. Mm. First part of the, the commandment is for Lutherans, uh, commandment number nine, which is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, leaving us as little uh, grade school children to wonder, well, why is it in there twice? The, you shall not commit adultery and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Aren't they kind of talking the same thing here? They said, yes, that's because it's so important, Bruce. That's why it's in there twice. Um, but what is the first on the list of things not covet is different in Exodus than it is in Deuteronomy, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so, Kirk, why don't you read the version we have in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. But when we have the second telling of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, it's in a different order. It says, neither shall you covet your neighbor's wife, neither shall you desire your neighbor's house or field or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So the big difference is they change the order of what not to covet first. Is it your house as in Exodus or is it your neighbor's wife? And then in the Deuteronomy uh, listing, they also add field Mm. uh, to that. it's the second generation um, where uh, they're about to go in and, and conquer land and have fields. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why that's in there. They're more settled. Right. But the first uh, generation that heard this had just come out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. They were no longer in houses at all. They were in tents. Mm-hmm. So in other words, don't go um, lusting after the life you left behind where your neighbors had houses. Boy, it must be better being an Egyptian than out here in this crummy wilderness. Mm. So it, it, it makes sense. Uh, in certain ways, but very surprising. I did not expect that at all. Mm-hmm. And if you read it in Hebrew, there's this um, the letter samak, which is used to say uh, a pause or let's make a, another paragraph or a semi-paragraph, and that's used after the first phrase of the, uh, each version of these Ten Commandments to say, let's think about that first one a little bit. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't cover our neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about that. We shouldn't cover our neighbor's wife or spouse. Let's think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So let's look at those bookend passages of the Apostle Paul. First, when he was not uh, content and when he was coveting uh, quite a bit. And then later, when he had learned to become content. Mm-hmm. So the first is from Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 13. And it reads, this is Paul saying, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, the sin was dead. Once I was alive, apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Hmm. So he's talking about, uh, you know, it just hadn't hadn't been on his radar at all as a young man. Then he learns the Ten Commandments and it's like, oh, my attitude's important? Well, Hmm. yeah, well... Grass may be greener on the other side. Maybe I wish I had that grass over there and not what uh, God has given me. Mm. And uh, it, it produced uh, what became in his life uh, a big struggle. How do we break the cycle? In fact, he ends that chapter of Romans talking about, you know, what a wretched person I am. Who's going to save me from the cycle? Mm. And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Mm. In other words... Christ makes a difference. It makes a difference because there's a shorter time between my messing up and my catching myself saying, wait, 
that's not how I want to be. That's not who I want to be. Mm. God, help me. God, forgive me. God, uh, help me uh, start again with you. Uh, and, and that's the change that happens to us. It seems that this one, more than others, deals with our attitude about things. Yeah, it's unique in the Ten Commandments, really. Uh, in some ways, the having not no other gods before us, that's somewhat of an attitude, but this one really focuses in on uh, not our actions, mm. but what's inside our character. It seems that we are called to have self-control more in this one than maybe others. Yes, and self-control is not always fun. Mm. Yeah, just try to eat one Lay's potato chip, right? And you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes difficult. Or, you know, open a, a bag of M&Ms and uh, I'll have just one. I'll have some. Yeah, it doesn't last very long. No, no. Well, let's look at the text that Pastor Steve preached on. Right, the other bookend in yeah. Paul's life. So the Philippians 4, 10 through 13 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am now saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what is, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I'm really encouraged by that because it means Paul learned as he followed Christ. He wasn't in the same place year one as a Christian as he was in year 10 and, and 20. Mm. Uh, I don't want to be in the same place I was spiritually 10 years ago. Right. I want to have grown by God's grace. Um, What's amazing, and Pastor Steve pointed this out in his sermon too, is he's writing this from prison to the Philippians who are about to give him some support, it seems like. He's seeing he doesn't, he's not in need because he's learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, even being in jail. Yeah, that attitude of gratitude that is so crucial. Mm. Uh, and so much in our culture is trying to make us discontent. Right. Uh, yeah. Advertisements uh, all stir up discontent. Uh, well, he can't really be happy because you don't have this latest product or this latest version of this or that. Mm -hmm. It's like the Rolling Stones, you know, I can't get no satisfaction. That's right. Yeah. N nobody wants us to get satisfaction, right? <laughs> they want us to continue to buy more and that's right. And entice us with ads. Mm -hmm. Can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. That's <laughs> that's from that Rolling Stone song. Right. Exactly. Oh, he's we well, the first part is he's he's telling me how white my shirts could be, right? Yeah. And then the second part is, but he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. That's right. It's all but, about ads. Yeah. Uh, uh, Interesting. Dissatisfaction. Right? Mm -hmm. All right. I think we're going to go from the Rolling Stones to archaeology. Oh, that's a great transition. Yeah, Keith Richards looks like he's an artifact himself. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> From archaeology, there's this great story. It really happened about um, 
two nations that were coveting the same antiquity. So this is going way back uh, in the very uh, beginning of Egyptology as a separate academic discipline. And most people would say that started when Napoleon went on one of his conquering trips and went down to Egypt in 1789. He took along with him not only uh, military personnel, he also took along scientists and scholars to uh, study the ancient artifacts in Egypt. And as they did that, two engineers uh, discovered the site of the Ramsidium. The Ramsidium is the mortuary temple of Ramses II, or Ramses the Great. And we mentioned Ramses the Great, Ramses II, in our last podcast. So what was found in this uh, mortuary temple, among other things, were these two huge uh, torsos and, and heads of Ramses II. One of them was less well preserved because it had been eroded by the annual floods of the Nile, but the other one was pretty pristine. Mm. And that's the one that Napoleon said, hey, we need that for France. We need it for one of our museums in Paris. And so uh, a couple of French engineers worked for a time to try to get it to France, and they were never able to do that. Ten years or so later, uh, the um, British hired an Italian engineer who had uh, figured out this uh, machine that helps move things, and they were able to bring it back to London. So hearing about this, the English poet Shelley wrote a poem called Ozymandias, which is one of the other names of Ramses II. And that poem reads like this. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half-sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped in these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them, the heart that fed them. And on the pedestal, these words appear, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing besides remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Now, emphasis was yours. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> but uh, a great poem about somebody that really thought that he was all that in a bag of chips, and he died anyway. Yeah. And he couldn't all take his, his wealth with him. All his wealth, all his possessions, all his mighty works were in a wreck. That's right. And uh, even the, the coveting of the statue itself between these two European powers, let's, let's, who's going to win that battle to get it back to our national museums? It's amazing. 6.58 tons of it, granite. And it's now in the British Museum in London. Have you seen that? I have seen that. Uh, there have been some discussions of the U.K. and Egypt to return some of the big archaeology uh, treasure trove that was in the British Museum. So now if you go, you don't see as many of the Egyptian artifacts as you once did. But I think that the statue is still there to these days. I, I need to revisit London soon and look in the Egyptology wing of that museum. Well, in this... Italian engineer is probably dead, so how are we going to get it back? Right? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully uh, engineers have 
advance that craft yeah. in, in those centuries. Well, that's great, Bruce. Good job. Well, each week we've looked at the eco-tenants, and we said that the eco-tenants are looking at the Ten Commandments. It says, as we practice the discipline of regular self-examination and confession, we are especially guided by the Ten Commandments. So you want to share what they say about the Tenth Commandment? Right. It says, uh, therefore we hold one another accountable to resist the pull of envy, greed, and acquisition, and instead cultivate a spirit of contentment with the gifts God has given us. Hmm. And then there's another paragraph at the very end because they've summarized all the Ten Commandments one by one. And it says, in Jesus Christ, we see the perfect expression of God's holy will for human beings offered to God in our place. His holy life now become, must now become our holy life. In Christ, God's will is now written on our hearts. And we look forward to the day when we will be so confirmed in holiness that we will no longer be able to sin. This is looking towards that life which is to come, mm -hmm. uh, our, our life with God in heaven. As the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Jesus leads us along the path of life towards that goal, bringing us into ever deeper intimacy with the triune God in whose presence is fullness of joy. So it really ends on a high note. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Pastor Steve mentioned in his sermon that you go through two commandments, uh, you study them, and you can feel really bad about yourself. Say, gosh, I mess up all the time. But where God wants us to be is to understand he is at work in our lives, and we are headed somewhere, headed somewhere good. We are drawing closer to God as we try and try again to follow the Ten Commandments. Well, and Pastor Steve mentioned how he had struggled so much with these confessions himself. And you and I have been studying them and doing the podcast, and we find them quite convicting. So it is good to know that we have a Savior and that he has redeemed us and that we are his and we don't have to worry about the wrath of God, which we're going to hear about in a little bit. Yeah, uh, we serve a God of grace who's welcomed us in as his children. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I was wondering, Bruce, the, uh, the, the idea of the remedy for kind of, you know, we're naturally looking at our neighbor's stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of how we are, and, and then maybe it's kind of the culture we live in, the, the consumerism that we're, we're exposed to on a daily basis. And one of the things I wanted to share was a, a quote from Martin Luther. Yes, the great reformer, Martin Luther. Right? Yes. yes. Martin Luther once said that we cannot prevent the birds of the air from flying over our heads, but we can prevent them from building a nest in our hair. And that kind of speaks to that attitude as well. Yes, we, we can't um, avoid uh, comparisons when we look at something, thinking about uh, uh, another person's life in comparison with our own. But we don't have to keep on turning that thought over in our minds again and again, making ourselves miserable. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's, I don't know if Pastor Steve mentioned it in his sermon, but it is in our study guide that 
James uh, sort of speaks to that idea that um, coveting is a, a kind of a gateway to many other sins. When, mm-hmm. So it really is a this it's attitude. It's a gateway sin, like a gateway drug. Like a gateway drug, <laughs> yes. right. Well, one of our groups is one of our life groups, not a midweek study group, but they are in addition to the sermon study and the study guide, they are also reading Joy Davidman's book, Smoke on the Mountain. And who was Joy Davidman, Well, Joy Davidman was the wife of C.S. Lewis, and she wrote a quite a really a great commentary, I think, on, on the Ten Commandments. And I thought this was a particularly great quote out of that book. She says, There is, in the last analysis, only one way to stop covetedness and the destruction of body and soul that spring from covetedness. And that is to want God so much that we can't be bothered with inordinate wants for anything else. Isn't that great? Full of God, be full of God's grace, be full of God's hope, be full of the the peace and contentment that God brings to Mm. us and only God can bring to us. And then we won't have room for or be bothered, as she says, any of these other thoughts. Okay, let's, let's go on that path. Right. And Paul said, similar to hold every thought captive to Christ. So those are, I think, consistent in our approach to this idea of how how can I not be a person who covets, right? Right. Well, we are looking each week at our eco-confessional standards, and we've looked at the Heidelberg Catechism, and question 113 asks this, what is required in the Tenth Commandment? And the answer is that there should never enter our heart even the least inclination or thought contrary to any commandment of God, but that we should always hate sin with our whole heart, find satisfaction and joy in all righteousness. So that, that's going in a different direction than uh, what we've talked about before, um, that uh, we should be on a particular uh, vector, uh, not just in covetousness, but for all commandments. So it's not just that uh, covetousness is a, a gateway sin to other sins, but if we're going to keep it, we need to be totally in, mm. totally in uh, f- for everything that uh, God wants and to be prepared to be against those things that God s- says are not good for us. Mm. Well, and question 114 says, but can those who are converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? The answer is no, for even the holiest of them make only a small beginning in the obedience in this life. Nevertheless, they begin to seriously conform not only to some, but to all the commandments of God. So it's the, no one fully arrives. Right. I think our listeners already know this. Mm-hmm. They've experienced that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you and I have experienced that. Yeah. And we didn't read it, but in Romans 7, if you continue on from what we read earlier, 14 through 25, I think speaks very clearly about Paul's own struggle with sin. And we we hold him up on a high pedestal. That's right. 
Question 115 says, Why then does God have the Ten Commandments preached so strictly since no one can keep them in this life? And the answer is, first, that for all of our life, we may become increasingly aware of our sinfulness and therefore more eagerly seek forgiveness of sins and the righteousness in Christ. Second, that we may constantly and diligently pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit so that more and more we may be renewed in the image of God until we attain the goal of full protection after this life. Full protection after this life. Yes, and I think it echoes what Jesus said, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But it also speaks to sanctification as a process, but we never fully arrive. That's right. Not in this life. No. No. Well, we've looked also at the Westminster Standards, mm-hmm. and this time we want to focus on the Shorter Catechism, that question-answer format that was... Uh, Put together for children. And here we have this uh, wonderful progression of thought from uh, the 10th commandment to all the commandments to um, how difficult it is for all of us because we sin and where that leads. And ultimately it takes children into thinking about how wonderful the gospel is, how wonderful it is that God loved us so much that he sent us Jesus. Hmm. So uh, just to go through that progression, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 81 asks, what is forbidden in the 10th commandment? And the answer given here is, the 10th commandment forbids all discontentment with our own estate, envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor, and all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is our neighbor's. And the question uh, 82, is anyone able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? The answer, no. Mere human, since the fall, is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but daily breaks them in thought, word, and deed. Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? The answer is some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. In other words, it is more heinous to harm a child than to jaywalk, mm-hmm. for, for example. Question 84, what does every sin deserve? Every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come, which is the bad news. And question 85, what does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? The answer, to escape the wrath and curse of God due to sin, due due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means by which Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. And then what is faith in Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is saving grace by which we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. Uh, I love that. Yeah, that's good. Children need to know you don't stop at saying the Ten Commandments and, oh, so what? It's, oh, well, this is kind of a downer. 
Yeah, it becomes, um, I think the term is moralistic rel- relativism. And, um, and I don't, I think our kids really need to be reminded, well, all of us need to be reminded f- of our need for a Savior and that, as he said on the cross, it is finished. It, he's, he's done it all. We, we don't have to earn it. Praise God. Yeah. Well, each week we've had a quote from C.S. Lewis. And what do you have for us this week, Bruce? Well, I have a quote from an essay C.S. Lewis wrote that's entitled The Trouble with X. And in this, Lewis uh, takes note of the particular frustration that God must experience as he sees our discontent with his provisions. Mm. So Lewis writes, he, that is God, has provided a rich, beautiful world for people to live in. He has given them intelligence to show them how it can be used and conscience to show them how it ought to be used. He has contrived that the things they need for their biological life, food, drink, rest, sleep, exercise, should be positively delightful to them. And having done all this, he sees all his plans spoiled by the crookedness of the people themselves all the things he has given them to be happy, and they turn in a, into occasions for quarreling and jealousy and excess and hoarding and tomfoolery. I love that word, tomfoolery. I do too. It's a great word. Uh, but, you know, God must be shaking his head at us sometimes. I think he does, yes. Now, and along with a quote from C.S. Lewis, Kirk, you've been digging up for us quotes from our great reform heritage. Well, and I had to go back to the well. To Johnny Calvin. Johnny Calvin. (laughs) And Calvin argues that any feeling of adverse nature must be banished from our minds. That sounds a lot like what Joy Davidman wrote. It does, yes. Rather, everything which we conceive, deliberate, will, or design should be conjoined with the good and advantage of our neighbor the good and an advantage of our neighbor. So um, we haven't talked a lot about the neighbor in this podcast, but this is in that second table where we're concerned with how our actions, how in this commandment, maybe even our attitudes affects our neighbors. And so we need to do everything in our power to banish uh, those thoughts uh, hold those thoughts captive, and uh, and then what we should be conceiving and, and designing and deliberating on is is what is good and what is to the advantage of my neighbor. Instead of, I think, how we look at it when we see the ads on television or in magazines and you know build what are they called? billboards, when we see all those advertisements and we think, oh, if I only had that car or look at my neighbor, he's got a new car. That's why I can't get no satisfaction. (laughs) That's right. Did we already talk about that? I think we did, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, um, that is is our nature and, and it's kind of the environment we live in this in this world, this consumer culture, and uh, I think it's just, it, I, 
I think it's a real struggle. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Well, Kirk, uh, we should close in prayer uh, for today. And uh, I thought we could use a prayer of John Bailey. Now, all the pastors at Mountain View uh, meet together for prayer every week. And often we return to the prayers of John Bailey. So mm. why don't we use one of those to close today? That would be great. Let's pray. Dear Father, take this day's life into thine own keeping. Control all my thoughts and feelings. Direct all my energies. Instruct my mind. Sustain my will. Take my hands and make them skillful to serve thee. Take my feet and make them swift to do thy bidding. Take my eyes and keep them fixed upon thine everlasting beauty. Take my mouth and make it eloquent in testimony to thy love. Make this day a day of obedience, a day of spiritual joy and peace. Make this day's work a little part of the work of the kingdom of my Lord Christ, in whose name these my prayers are said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Kirk. That's not all, folks. That's Yes, that's <laughs> not all, because we have promised you the Ten Commandments song. But before we go to that song, Bruce, maybe you could give us a little background on it. Certainly. So this was a number of years ago. I was leading a confirmation class at Scottsdale Presbyterian Church, now our South Campus in the home to South Scottsdale Presbyterian Church. And we had a lesson on the Ten Commandments. And uh, for some reason, we were trying to remember the Ten Commandments all by memory. And we could get seven or eight, but not all ten. And we thought, oh, this is not good. You know, and then we grabbed some Bibles and looked up the passage in uh, Exodus chapter 20. Mm -hmm. But I went home very convicted, like, oh, this is not good. I'm trying to teach uh, young people about the Ten Commandments. And I can't even remember all the Ten Commandments off the top of my head. So we together uh, crafted this song in that confirmation class, and it's a pretty good way to remember the Ten Commandments. It's to the tune of uh, Do, Re, Mi from mm. The Sound of Music. Now, you had a co-writer, is that right? Yes, uh, two young people. So I, I had different lines. I said, is this line better or is that line better? Oh, and okay. they chose lines that I thought would uh, work out best, and then uh, one or two lines we kind of rewrote together. So last week... Wednesday evening, choir is practicing, and you and I show up, and you teach them the song, and Jackie is playing on the piano, and, and I'm the, uh, the recorder. So enjoy this humble offering from the Mountain View Choir.